This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome, everybody, to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. I am Dale Luganbill. Thank you very much for joining me. On today's episode, I have a friend of mine. His name is Corey Jeffers. Uh, He hails from Ohio, and he has recently um, just shot a very very nice buck and uh so we're gonna talk about that he's gonna share a story how he got that that buck and then we uh we kind of back up because he came out here and did a hunt with us and there was some drama with that i'm pretty sure i've talked about it on this podcast before but maybe you haven't heard it uh it's a pretty good story anyways Corey's a good dude i always enjoy talking to him and uh he paints a pretty good picture on his, through his deer season and then up into getting this buck. So I think you're really going to like this one. If you're a deer hunter, settle in. Should be a good one. All right, this is the Full Scale Outdoors podcast with Corey Jeffers. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. that sound this is a good one all right well dude smashes a giant buck but before we get into that story uh have you been out goose hunting at all uh yeah one time and Shot, uh, so they upped our limit from three to five this year. They did that with uh, Minnesota as well. Did they? Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, we we shot eighteen. Nice. Should have had. We should have had a limit. We had a couple of new guys that uh, that couldn't really. I don't think they could hit a car. But <laughs> they surely oh, couldn't sure. hit. Oh sure, it's always a new guy. It was me. <laughs> 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 yeah, I wasn't shooting too good. That day. <laughs> <laughs> just we had a we had a bout of that we went to north dakota and uh 
let's just say yep. without pointing fingers and naming names, the right side was uh, a little weak. A little weak. <laughs> it's always it's always the right side. That's yeah. why I always sit in the middle. Can't yeah. be blamed. They were straight. Yeah, right. You can you can take credit and you can always pass off the blame. Smart man. Exactly. Smart man. <laughs> when you're sitting in the middle and the left side is grouching about the right side, you can be like, Yeah, what are you guys doing down there? <laughs> Yeah. I'm still waiting for my invite to that North Dakota trip. Oh well, I don't I don't know. We were we were pretty full crew as it was, but um yeah, I forget that you can just kinda up and go whenever you want. It's it's really nice actually. Uh, I'm doing a crane hunt in Texas, oh. uh January sixth and seventh. Where was my invite? Let's go. Sixth <laughs> and seventh? January sixth and seventh. Hmm. I might be able to make that happen. I think it's three hundred bucks a day. Don't ask me what city we're going to. I booked the hunt without knowing what city we're going to. <laughs> dude, I would love to shoot a crane, dude. That'd be amazing. Yeah, and you're allowed five a day. Nice. Isn't that some yeah. shit? Like, they get five a day down there and just smash fest. And then, I don't know how it is in Ohio, but in Minnesota, we have no season. Well, in the extreme surely, no- northwest part of the state, we do. But I surely know what their concept in Wisconsin is. Uh, yes. <laughs> Yes, there is there is no there's no season in Wisconsin. Uh yes, Gascari was uh part of a, a debacle in Wisconsin. Um it happens. For, still the only time that was the first and only time I've ever seen that where it was a, an actual mixed flock of birds where there was a random sandhill mixed in with some honkers. I'm pretty sure I shared that story on this podcast, so but. Well, I hope you did. I mean, it's kind of crazy. The only time I ever come home with you, we get in trouble. I've never been in trouble before in my life. <laughs> yeah, wait, maybe. Do I want to go to Oklahoma? <laughs> <laughs> the left side that time. Good thing I was in the middle. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what. That was. I know who was on the left side, Dale. Me. Me. I was on the left side. <laughs> that bird did not fall on the left side, I will say. Well, actually, it didn't fall. It kind of glided. It kind of glided. I have a pretty good idea who the guilty party was, but I'm not going to point what out. me. No. For sure, 100%. Yeah, I yelled, don't shoot the sand hill. We, we all did. I mean, we were all like, everybody be careful. There's a there's a crane mixed in there. Choose your, you know, choose your targets. But I guess, you know, overspray or something, it's, I don't know. It was know. a bad day. I'll just say there was an inexperienced hunter in with us that happened to be shooting the pellets that the DNR found in the bird. That's all I'll say. <laughs> it all worked out. Fines are, you know, and that, yeah, there was a whole other mix up. Not everybody had the right licensing and yeah. Yeah. Was, I believe that DNR officer no longer likes me. Yeah. Well, it's kind of a shady deal. Actually, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and say it because I feel like the Wisconsin DNR did themselves a disservice because the CO in the field was pretty cool. We were fourth right with everything. Um, called it in. I yeah. remember I called my game warden buddy in Ohio. Yep. And I said, listen, this is what happened. It was an accident. What do we do? And he said, well, here I can, he said, I can get a direct line to that guy faster than you can. So let me see what I can do. And he called him and gave him my phone number. Remember? Yes, I do. And, and, and we were trying to be, we were trying to be the responsible waterfowl. Right. We were self, self-reporting. Why? Correct. Why would anybody ever ticket someone for self-reporting an accident? 
Right. I mean, what, or even even if he did, and it was like, listen, uh, this sucks, but I got to write this ticket. As long as he was up front with it, you know, it would have sucked, but it would have been fine. But the problem was his story changed. So yes. in the field, we self-reported. We knew, you know, and before we called, and we're like, and jokingly, we're like, everybody's got the right licenses, right? Ha, 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 ha. And then we went through, and we're like, oh, shit, you don't have. And it's the stupid um, Wisconsin State goose thing. Like it's a little, yeah, it's like two dollars, two dollars, two three bucks, whatever it is. What did I spend? One hundred and ninety dollars yeah. on everything else, and yeah. I didn't know about the two dollar yeah. goose thing. Well, and that's the thing, and and he even said the CEO even said he's like, well, I'm sure, honest mistakes. I'm sure you guys weren't trying to skimp out on another three dollars after already paying one hundred and fifty or whatever the thing was. So it was fine. It was like, yeah, we realized, you know, in talking, we gave him the whole story. Like we didn't. From start to finish, we're like, here's how it happened. Here, you know, even with the licenses, here's this deal, here's that deal. He's like, where's the bird? It's over there. And, you know, it's like, well, now is the other shitty thing. It's like it wasn't dead yet. It was just crippled. And so they decided to shoot it and put it out of its misery. No, not they. He, yes, I was 100% a, a, against yes, that. One of, the, one of the people decided to do that, which, it, I don't know, ethically – the conservationist seems, in me seems like the right thing to do. Yes, but, but the I CEO the disagreed. Law says that you cannot <laughs> kill a sandhill crane. Yeah, it technically was not dead yet. True. So that would that would have been up to the CEO then to go out there and dispatch it or whatever. In which case, you know, he would have because it was in rough shape. Yeah. The thing is, but, super easy for us to just not have said anything. Just let that yeah, poor injured crane no one would have ever walk, found it, but walk that's around. Not... Right. And yeah. that, in my opinion, that's not the right course of action. It's the right course of action if you don't want to get in trouble and get a ticket, but it's not the, it's not the ethical thing to do. So we're doing what we think is right. The CEO at the time, seemed, in the field, seems cool. He's in agreement. Everything's on the up and up. He's not going to write any tickets. He's like, you know, he's like, oh, I'll get a shell from each one of you. Just we, you know, when we do a, uh, necropsy on this thing well you know if it's a single type of shot or if there's multiple shots there's not much we can do but you know about whatever just information gathering so time passes a fair three amount months. of a fair amount of time passes three months 90 pass. days suddenly we start getting calls and i think you call me like hey did you get a call from the dnr I'm like and i said yeah he's like okay well they just called me too and blah blah blah, blah and and at that point, the guy's, like, trying to catch us in a lie, I guess. But after three months, everybody else – you're dealing with six other perspectives from a three-month-old three story. And so, yeah, some things might not completely – you know, we don't have a script. You know, it's not like we're like, hey, everybody, this is our story. We're sticking to it. Like, what happened? What happened? Like, we weren't lying. We weren't covering anything up. Why would we call you and then try to cover it up? That is, like, the dumbest thing anybody could possibly do. But long story short, might be too late for that, but long story short, some tickets were wrote after the fact. And it's like, you know what happened? So he got back to his office. His his um, superior or whatever saw that there was two out-of-state people, three out-of-state people, a part of this. And oddly enough, the only three people that got tickets. I mean, technically we were out-of-state in Wisconsin, but that's a quick drive over if I had if I wanted to go to court and fight it. So I almost made 
the 17 hour trip to fight it. I, I almost <laughs> did. And if I wouldn't have been so busy, just out of I principle. would have. Yeah. Yeah. It it, was, it's just the fact of the matter. I would have drove all the way out there and it would have been dismissed. It was pretty shady. So what I wanted to say and, and kind of put them on blast a little bit is like, they missed an opportunity. You have a group of people, this thing happened. It was an accident. They did what I still feel like is the right thing to do. They self-reported. You had a good opportunity to go, this is what happens when you self-report, you know, everybody's made more aware, nobody gets a ticket, I can then go on and I can repeat that story, and this is as an example of why you self-report. Instead, the way it shook out, this story becomes of a example of why you shouldn't self-report. <laughs> so Absolutely. they, they kind of did themselves a disservice. I will say I have self-reported here in Ohio on a couple things. One, Stop breaking uh, the law, Corey. This, for, yeah. So uh, one time we there was a goose that had made it into our spread from another spread, and it was crippled. Mm. Well, we're all sitting there deciding what we're going to do. A buddy of mine shoots it, puts us one goose over. So I called. Hey, this is what happened. The goose came in. It was crippled. Didn't want to leave it. Not the ethical thing to do. Game Warden came out. He said, hey, you self-reported. I appreciate it. I just have to take the extra goose. Right. He said, so I appreciate you guys self-reporting. I'm going to go down and have another talk uh, talk with the other hunters just to let them know what happened. Obviously, they left their field. It never made it there. It's not going to be part of their bag limit. But I'll stop and, and I'll educate them on what happened. And and awesome. Awesome guy. Yeah, that's a great. That's a, that's how it should happen, right? Just Just like that. And then my brother one time shot a deer and tagged it in, and we have e-check here. And on the e-check, sometimes the AM and PM button sticks, and he tagged it in that he shot the thing at like 4.30 AM. Well, oh, whoops, <laughs> that's, that's an issue. <laughs> that's not legal. <laughs> so I called in, hey, this is what happened, no problem. And then this deer that we're going to be talking about here soon, um, it's, uh, I, I tagged it in. But there was a system glitch, and it never actually sent me a confirmation email. I have the screenshots of where I tagged it in two, three hours after I shot it. And uh, and I have the screenshots from the website, but it never actually sent me a confirmation. So when I was at the, the Buckmaster scorer getting it scored, he asked for the confirmation number, and I couldn't find it. Lo and behold, I get online, and the deer it never showed tagged in. So now we're oh, geez. 30 hours later. After gun season has ended, and I have to tag this deer in. So I called the game warden in the county where I was hunting. I told him what happened. He said, hey, I appreciate you making me aware of it. There's another story with this that we'll get into. He was already aware that I was hunting the deer, and he knew that I had harvested it because I called him and told him. I told him the whole story. I called him. I texted him while I was sitting there waiting on the deer to tell him the kind of story that was going along with it because I wanted to make him aware of me hunting the deer. There may or may not have been some jealous hunters in the area that were not happy I was there hunting it. Um, that that, so I had that happens. That's a common theme with, with deer of this caliber. Yes. So I had texted him to let him know, hey, I'm hunting this deer. I texted him. So I shot the deer, got, all, got back my feelings, called a bunch of buddies, called him on my way back to the truck. Hey, yes, I shot the deer. Um, we're going to go back and look for it here in a little bit. And he said, do you want me to be a part of it? Cause I had originally asked him to be a part of it, mm -hmm. uh, but we'll get into that later. But anyway, so I called <laughs> him. I said, Hey, this, uh, 
I said, this, this tag didn't go through. And again, he's like, listen, you called me. You told me what was going on. When you do it, it is going to throw a red flag. I'll see it right away. I know you hunted the deer the last day of gun season. I know you killed the deer the last day of gun season because you kept me in the loop. And now you're calling and saying, this is what happened. No problem. As long as I pull you up and you have an active deer tag, I don't have a problem with it. Mm -hmm. And I said, yep, I have an active deer tag. I tagged it in. I'm sure he got the red flag. But the one thing I can say about that game warden, that game warden and the game warden of the county I live in, they're always really receptive. They always answer the phone. Uh, any issues you have, they, they put it they put it up front. They make sure it's handled. And any questions, I mean, I've called with some of the dumbest questions you can imagine. But those two, the two game wardens I deal with the most here in Ohio, they are always willing to answer the phone. And, and they're personable people. Mm -hmm. That I, guy I, in Wisconsin can go fly a kite. <laughs> well, he was he was mostly personable when we had our interaction he, with him. It's just what happened after the fact was well, was and that's shitty. that's what gives game wardens a bad name. You yeah, know? Like, exactly. Like these guys here, they wouldn't do that. If you're getting a ticket, he'll tell you up front. Look, yeah, give me the know, ticket. You're, gonna, you're getting a ticket. I mean, There's he literally he literally said, my head. "Nobody's getting a ticket." And then that's what made me mad. And then Nobody's going to get a ticket. I three people got a ticket. It in. Yeah. So he lied. I mean, let's straight just, lies. Just call it what it is. He lied. Abuse of power. Maybe, maybe he didn't remember him himself saying that, but he for sure said it. He said it. And then he told me he didn't say it. Yeah. I ran it about the guy on Facebook and he saw it because of the other guy that was with me called him. He actually got us out of the tickets. They dropped, they dropped the ticket and just asked us to pay the court fees. Oh, all right. Well, that's something, I guess. But he said he did mention that, well, your buddy's Facebook rant about me was a little untrue. I never said this, this, and this. And Justin's a little more level-headed than me. I get hot really fast, and when I get there, there's no coming back from it. <laughs> I'm sure you've seen it when people when I get into it with people on Facebook yeah, about you do. Ohio State. <laughs> you do, and I chuckle. Yeah. Well. <laughs> and I chuckle. But yeah, well, been, what about you, man? How you been? Oh, I've been pretty good. The waterfall season, other than North Dakota, was not that great. Um, just, and I've been super busy just the way things have shook out. I, I honestly just haven't had a ton of time in the field, but this year was just really shitty for me as far as getting permission. Um, it wasn't that there was a lack of birds. I just had a hell of a time getting permission this year, which, you know, I'm used to getting a fair amount of no's. That's not a big deal, but it, you know, you put in enough time and knock on enough doors, you usually get one. Yes, but there's a lot of days we'd get done scouting and, all of a sudden, it's Friday night, and we're calling each other going, well, anybody got anything? Because I struck out six times, you know? And it's like, nope, Jeez. couldn't get on it. So, yeah, I mean, that. so we'd hunt, you know, we'd hunt what we could and run traffic or do whatever. But, no, nah, it, wasn't, it wasn't really that good. I haven't got out deer hunting a ton myself. I, I kind of got into this, like, public land hang and hunt stuff. Um, which I really like. I haven't done it successfully. I mean, I could have. I could have shot a doe, and, and in hindsight, probably should have at this point because season's coming to an end, and I don't know how much time I'm going to have to get out there to try to put some meat in the freezer, and I'm pretty much out of venison from last year, so I really kind of want to kill one. But, I don't know, just been, just been really busy. Huh. So, and then ice fishing should start here. People will be getting out this weekend. Well, I did go ice fishing two weekends ago, but we went – in the North Dakota, northern North Dakota. That was, that was pretty fun. You guys are insane. What? Why? Old you... campers out on the ice. No way. <laughs> no way. I don't. I love fishing. Got into walleye big air a few years ago. Now it's catfish. 
You'll yeah, never ever see me step on a sheet of ice. I don't. Oh, you can call come on. Say, you can call me and say it's the funnest thing you ever do in your life. One, catching bluegill through the ice doesn't sound fun to me at all. And That's two, awesome. it's not happening. <laughs> it's not. I have I've seen the, I've been, I'm on a couple of those groups and I see the videos. I have never seen a grown man get so excited over a bluegill. I get super excited, bro. <laughs> no, I'm out, bud. I know that's different strokes for different folks, though, man. That day I came out to your house and you're like, "Yeah, you can stay in my ice shed," and I'm thinking the whole time in my head, I'm thinking there are people that take a dolly. My dolly weighs like fourteen thousand pounds, yeah. and they will pull this camper yeah. out on a lake. No, yeah. have you ever seen ice road truckers? Dude, they'll take fully loaded semi trucks full of logs across the ice. I value life. I choose life. <laughs> I choose life. <laughs> uh, well, let's say follow the science. The ice is thick enough; it'll support it. You're good. Yeah. Guess what? Rivers don't freeze. I can take if I have the That's edge. That's not I'll true. Take Sometimes they do. Without the rivers here, we don't even get cold here. Not that cold. Yeah, you don't. You don't get Minnesota cold down there. That's for sure. No. So we, uh, our rivers stay open. If I have the urge, I'll take my ranger to the Ohio River and I'll catfish. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, I was kind of following that too. You got into some pretty good ones. Didn't you do some tournaments? Uh, I fished a couple tournaments. Didn't really place. I plan on hitting the tournaments pretty hard next year. Um, really just getting a feel for it, man. We, we, we fished the James River several times. Um, out in Virginia. Which is really, I mean, that's the Lake Erie. That's the Lake Erie of catfishing. Like, are these channels, blues, flatheads, or all the above? I don't do much channel catfishing. Blues and flatheads is what I'm okay. fishing for mostly. Um, our biggest on the year was 79 pounds. Holy shnikes, that's a giant. Yeah, seven over 60 and three, two in the 70s. Jeez, apparently I need to get down there and do some catfishing. Dude. Come on down. I'll Holy tell you what. Smokes, bro. If you can, if you can make some time this winter, we'll go to Virginia and fish the James River. I plan on doing it twice a month, starting probably after Christmas until it. And oh, wow. probably you're doing it in the winter time. Yeah, that's when you do it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Blues hit harder. They're not necessarily hit harder, but they they school up in the winter. They're oh, easier to find. Sure, that makes sense. So you can sit on one pot of fish and catch twenty of them. Get 20, 50 pounds. Like your ice fit and everybody just hangs out right <laughs> below the surface. Damn, that'd be sweet. Well, I know, a, few, lot I know a few man. spots like that, that right where. Here. I bought a 619, man. I got that thing set up for. It, it's probably the best catfishing setup around here. Nice. What do you guys like to use for bait? Using cut bait? Yeah, Live cut bait? shad. Cut shad. Cut shad. Okay. You actually catch them right there out of the James River. Uh, the biggest one we caught was like 24 inches. You ever seen a shad that big? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yeah. Dude. I was uh, just outside Knoxville, Tennessee. I went striper fishing, and, and that's what we were using is big uh, whole shad. And these things were huge. Oh, and yeah. Just dead drifting them. It was, that was a lot. We caught some blues, too, but, um, yeah, catching big old, big fat stripers. They have stripers in the James. So I'm just, I'm hooked on catfish, man. That's now oh, that I've killed my deer. They pull good, had... man. They pull good. How, how late does your, well, here, how late is your goose season open? Um, so our goose season opened a couple weeks ago, runs till February 2nd. Oh, our duck season opened. Open. Oh, February 2nd? Yeah. Oh, and our, or 7th, February 7th. Our duck season opens Saturday. Okay. So it's just getting, getting rolling. And, and I think it runs till January 25th, I think. The problem is my January is like crazy busy because I have tournament ice fishing for those bluegills you love so much. And, uh, 
we have two tournaments, two <laughs> two tournaments that month, and then obviously I need to I need to pre fish and scout to be competitive. So the other two weekends are pretty much booked with that. I would have to make like a midweek trip if I was going to go down there for that. I um I uh, use a ton of bluegill for bait actually. <laughs> yeah, well you can do that in Wisconsin too, but you can't do it in Minnesota. It's a great flathead. Really? Great flathead bait. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. One of my favorites, cut bluegill is my favorite bait for flatheads. Yeah, they love it, but yeah, Minnesota it's considered a game fish, so can't do it. Yeah, it's considered a game fish here, but we're allowed as long as you catch it by rod and reel, you can use it as bait. Nice. Yep. So we'll go out. I got spots. I can go catch a hundred of them in about fifteen minutes. Catching those shad would be fun too, though. I gotta assume. See, uh, we don't. We don't. We don't fish for shad with a rod and reel. We just throw nets. Oh, you're throwing nets. Oh, okay. Yeah, our shad around here in Ohio isn't big enough to catch them on rod and reel. Mm. But down in Virginia, Virginia, I'll bet you could catch shad on rod and reel. Well, they they did it down in Tennessee, them big, like, two-pound shad or whatever. Yeah, they just get below, like, the tail race of the dam, and I I think they just throw a jig or whatever. Yeah, they used to do that for skipjack, too. Yeah, skipjack herring. Yeah, use a lot of those too for bait. This time of year, skipjack's pretty good. Well, I can throw a cast net, so I'm good. I'm good there. There you go, perfect. Yeah. Whenever you come, dude, you just tell me when. I can make time whenever, and we'll go hammer them, dude. That's, yeah, dude, that'd be that's fun. what I'm telling you. I take catfishing over anything. Duck how, hunting, how's deer your, hunting. How long is deer hunt? How's your, long is your bow season go? Uh, bow season opens September 28th and ends February 2nd. That goes through February too. Holy smokes! Yeah. That's what I might have to. Well, maybe I'll have to make a combination trip. Might just have to take four days and go. Well, catfish, deer hunting, duck hunt. All <laughs> Hell yeah, dude! That sounds like fun. I'm in. <laughs> I guarantee you, I can get you a deer. <laughs> I can't guarantee I'll get you a buck, but I guarantee uh, you, come hunt here one day and I'll get you a deer. <laughs> I'm fine. I guess, I'm gonna have to put something in the freezer. I, I would hope my, I could uh, find my average. My average shit I see anywhere from twelve to. My best hit this year was 70. Jesus. Yeah. You need to start thinning the herd a little bit. Uh, one deer at a time. Good Lord. That's 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 uh, that's some density there. Yeah, there's there, there's a bunch of deer here, man. There's, um, I hate to talk about it, and everybody knows. Oh, I, don't, got- I don't think Ohio's a – I mean, I think people know Ohio's a good deer hunting state. There's some big <laughs> ones that come out. It's not Ohio. a secret anymore. No, no. I don't think it's been a secret for a while. Yeah, no. I mean, we're killing five to ten, two hundred inch deer and a couple three hundred inch deer every year. Yeah, that's ridiculous. People, people take notice. Yeah, people take note. <laughs> I haven't dealt with many out of state hunters where I'm at here. Yeah, um, but I know guys that have out of state hunters come in and leasing up their stuff. Yeah, that's people get a little touchy about that, but I mean, you know, my pay my to play, man. Is, it brings money into the economy. Right. I mean, I don't know. I, I can't really fault anybody for that. If they if they got the money, I mean. Well, look at me. I go whatever, to Arkansas dude. to hunt ducks. I go to Tennessee to yeah, hunt exactly. turkeys. Yeah. I go with you to hunt ducks. I've been to Illinois to hunt deer. I've killed a deer in Kentucky. I've killed I've killed a deer in Illinois. I've killed a deer in Kentucky. I mean, I can't be mad. I'd right. be a hypocrite. Exactly. Well, the people that complain pretty much are hypocrites. I mean, they're, you're right. <laughs> I mean, the only thing that I don't, that, the only thing I don't agree with is how cheap it is to hunt here because everywhere else I go is way expensive here. 160 bucks. You can come kill a buck. 
You get 160 bucks, you can kill a buck. 160 or 190 bucks, you can kill a buck and a doe. Take one of each for 190. Yeah, I think it's 190 bucks. You get two oh, tags. I'm in. <laughs> but I mean, I went to cheap. Illinois. My buck in Illinois scored 133, I think, or somewhere 130 low 130s, and it cost me 675 dollars to shoot that deer. Whew. That's like I, that's was, like Iowa, dude. Yeah. That's what I mean. I think it should be a reciprocating thing. Whatever it costs an Ohioan to hunt in Illinois is what it should cost an Illinoisan to hunt in Ohio. There you go. That's a fair trade. Yeah, yeah. That kind of moderate people's prices a little bit. But I, but I think states like Iowa don't want to moderate it. I think they want to keep it that way because it keeps pressure down. Yeah, I wish. So our governor, when he took office, he, he started implementing slow raises. That thing just needs to go from 190 to 500 bucks. And if people can't pay 500 bucks, then I'm sorry. Don't come to Ohio. I mean, it's, that's what people like. I can't call Iowa and complain that it's $590 right. for a hunting license. Right. They'll say, hey, don't come here. Go to go to Kentucky. Yeah, go to Wisconsin. Go to go to Minnesota. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it kind of sucks. It's, that's the only thing I, that's the only thing. And I, I don't, I don't care about out of state hunters coming here. I actually had two buddies come up here this year from Arkansas and uh, tried my hardest to put them on a deer. One saw a pretty good one. Um, and a bunch of does. He saw like 30 does one night and he was blown away that we had that many deer and, uh, they weren't able to make it happen. Um, but I don't care about out of state hunters. Bring them on. I mean, I invite buddies from out of state to hunt yeah, all the I time. I hope not. Cause I might come down there. <laughs> well yeah i mean and then then i can call you like hey i'm coming to minnesota to hunt ducks you know what i mean like oh yeah for sure and i almost did when i came up here to buy that ranger if i uh my wife wanted to make a one-day trip out of it if she wouldn't have i definitely would have hunted with you guys that weekend yeah i'm trying to remember if we shot birds that weekend we might have i don't remember probably the best hunt you ever had right yeah we smashed them dude we were limited out by <laughs> 10 minutes Seven after bands. legal yeah yeah <laughs> yeah right <laughs> No, wait, did we get a ban this year? I think we did get a ban this year. I'm almost positive we did. I don't know. I could be fucked up. I don't remember. When's your guys' season end? Um, Good question. Sometime in December for geese. Duck's over. Wow, I think that sucks. just after Christmas, I think. That sucks. Ours hasn't even started yet. Well, we start early. September 1st is our early season. and then Yeah, we have an early season in September, too. And then we our... have a... Uh... But then you shut down again. Ours pretty much stays, the goose season pretty much stays open. Oh, okay. Because we do. We open September, first couple days of September, and we're open for a week, and then it closes, and then it opens back up in November, and then it closes, and then it opens back up in December. Yeah, it's not, I think it shuts down for like a week, but yeah, it's it's pretty much, once it's once hunting starts, it just goes until it's done. So. Oh, that's cool. But, I mean, if it was much later than that anyways... I mean, it would just be a few people hunting in select spots that still, you know, depending on the winter, still holding birds. So stuff just now locked up, like literally the last day or so. We got some snow. We're supposed to get more snow this weekend. So yeah, we got some rain. Some birds we'll more rain. out. Yeah, but I don't know. I we'll see. see. We shall see if I can if I can steal some days away. I might I might have to get down there. That'd be pretty fun. You can stay in my camper. It's got heat and everything. Oh, you're going to put it on the ice for me? Yeah, I'll pull it all the way out there on the ice we don't have. <laughs> With your dually? $70,000 camper. I'll park it right in the middle of the lake just for you. Perfect. Hopefully I can catch a bluegill. I'll keep I pray for, we I'll have some ice, bait. man. It's, 
when we get ice around here, it gets pretty nasty on the river shooting ducks. Oh, it, yeah, that's that's the best, dude. That's, oh, yeah. I love hunting in the fields, which is what we do the most of. But when everything ices up around here, I head to the river, and, dude, we hammer them. When is, the, when is your best time usually? Mid-January, weather depending? Well, man, it, it depends. We haven't had a phenomenal duck season in years. Last year got good right at the end. Um, the weather here, we're just kind of on that. We're on a weird line. You know, like, you guys can almost guarantee by Christmas you're freezing up every year. Oh, God, yeah. Here, we may be frozen around Christmas. We may not see snow until January. We, It's always weird here. The weather's weird. So, it really, it depends. We, we need it to get cold up north. We need Michigan to be cold to freeze Lake Erie. If Lake Erie freezes, we have a phenomenal duck season. Yeah, if Lake Erie doesn't yeah. freeze, if Lake Erie doesn't freeze, they all stop right there. Yeah, that's a lot of water. Once that that'll hold a lot of ducks. So if that that locks up, yeah, they're gonna have to make a move for sure. Yeah. So it 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 really all depends on what I, I can't say. You know, mm-hmm. I'd love to say, yeah, come down January third through the sixth, and we'll hammer. I will say my wife's birthday is January tenth. And we usually are having pretty good hunts by the time my wife's birthday comes around. Right on. Well, you'd been we'll, we'll transition into to deer hunting here. I mean, I'd been following along, and you'd you'd been getting after it even during the bow season. And uh, you had some run-ins, didn't you? Or at least you were getting some good ones on trail cameras. Yeah. So I had this year. Um. I usually start running cameras here. I don't know how it is in Minnesota. We can feed here. Um, so I usually feed corn and minerals way before the season starts. Usually starting like June. Um, and, and I had a deer, the first deer, the first big deer I had returned, um, from last year, the first year I had returned from last year, grew about eight inches. Um, last year when I killed my, that 153 giant, I mean, that thing was massive. Do you remember that deer? Yep. He had like. I think the one mass measure was nine and a half inches or something out, out halfway up his main beat. It was insane. So when I, uh, I killed that deer, another deer started showing up on the farm that my brother was hunting. Um, he called him big Louie. I called him drip out on the very end of his antler. He had a, a drop time for me. It looks like water dripping off his antler. Hmm. So drip was the first big deer I had show up and I got pretty excited about, um, had him all summer long. The day season opened, disappeared, gone. Didn't see him for months. That night, the season opened, I had about a 190-inch 10-point show up on that same farm. Then I got real excited, right? Um, And it was just like the deer I killed. Big, giant, wide, typical 10, but he was every bit at 28 inches wide. and It was just insane. Uh, He never showed up again. He was, uh, I think what happened was opening day pressure just kind of bumped him out of his home range and he came to say hi. He never showed up again. Hmm. So I started hunting a farm. I'm still running through my whole season. Yeah. Uh, do it. I started, I picked up a farm last year. It's a total of, I don't know, like 4,500 acres, but it's broke up into a bunch of different parcels. And I know there's a bunch of people that hunt it. I mean, there's 10 people probably that have permission to hunt these people's farms. Last year, I didn't hunt it at all. I got the permission last year, but I didn't hunt it. I didn't I didn't get the permission until in the middle of the season. I didn't want to go in and ruin anybody, anybody's hunts or anything like that, so I left it alone. But I, um, I started scouting it this year, and after all my deer disappeared 
on that other farm. I couldn't get pictures of anything. I set up a spot on one of these other people's farms down the road from my house. The good thing about this year is all my spots that I hunted were within 30 minutes of my house. Every one of them. Nice. That is convenient. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, it's taken me about 10 years to compile that list of places I can hunt that are within 30 minutes of my house. Mm -hmm. But I was hunting two, three hours away from my house before. Yeah, that sucks. So those are those are if you're hunting mornings, you're getting up early. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So I set up a spot there. Immediately got a picture of this giant deer that I called the broken ear buck. He had uh, his right ear was broken. Um, I called him the broken ear buck. Later on, find out the neighbor called him droopy. Um, the very first picture I got of him was two minutes left in legal light in the evening. So I'm like, this this is it. Like, I'm going to kill this deer tomorrow. So I go in there. I set up on him. I got too deep into the field. Um, and I set my stand in the wrong spot on that first night without really having much. I had no idea where the deer were coming from or anything. I got a little too deep in the field, and I got caught. That was the day I saw 70 deer. Oh, damn, dude. Yeah, so I, there was just deer everywhere. I got in there at like 2.30. It didn't get dark until like 7.30, and I sat there, man, and it was just a constant flow of deer. They never stopped, but I couldn't get out. I, I mean, for, there was probably, when, when it got dark and I couldn't see, there was probably 50 deer between me and my truck. Oh, Jesus. And I, I couldn't get rid of them. I, I tried coyote howling. I tried everything. And, and the day you just, the coyote howling brought them closer to my tree. <laughs> so I ended up, I sat there for about two hours trying to hope they would leave. They never did. So I got down and dude, white tails everywhere. <laughs> so I'm sure he was probably out there that night. And this is why I say that. So the rest of the season, I would only get that deer at, either three in the morning or 11 in the evening every wow. single day. So I studied that deer pretty hard. I had that deer and then there was a giant 12 pointer that showed up, probably another 180 inch deer that showed up on that farm. Um, only one day. <laughs> Did you ever figure out where his, where he was bedding or where he was well, traveling so to I, and from? So I started figuring the broken ear buck out and he was actually, uh, with all these other people hunting this farm, it's hard to track a deer back with cameras, right? So I've got 30, 40 cell cameras, and I'm putting them out. I, I have all these properties. I think I had, I don't know, I had I had them out on a bunch of properties. And uh, so I started taking cameras from properties that I wasn't getting pictures of deer from. And at one time, I had 12 properties trying to figure out the broken ear buck, or 12, 12 cameras trying to figure out the broken ear buck. Wow. And I would only get him on the one camera where uh, in front of my stand and all these other cameras I have spread out all over this farm trying to find them coming in and I would only get him on one camera. So I don't know about a month and a half ago, my maybe a month ago, my wife had shot one in the shoulder and, um, and we were out looking for it. We, we didn't make it very far. It crossed this field and onto the neighbor's property. That I didn't have permission to go on to, but I got to thinking while we were sitting there, my wife was hunting that deer. There's this thicket on the, on, on the neighbor to the North. There's this thicket on his property. I think it's the North. Um, and it's just out in the middle of this field. And I'm like playing these scenarios in my head of how I see this deer come in on my camera. And I'm like, I bet that is where, the broken ear buck lives because they putting this stuff together 
there's only one way that deer could be coming to my stand. Sure. And uh, sure enough, we get permission. We go track that deer the next day on the neighbor's farm. And we I met him and we were talking. And he was talking about how he kept seeing that deer, the broken ear buck, chasing does out by that thicket. And I, that's when it's like light bulb, you know. Yeah. I, I know I know that deer's living there. Um, but the problem is there was other hunters that hunted between me and the deer. So I didn't go in there and move my setup. I didn't put any cameras up there. Um, the neighbor, which I became pretty good friends with him, his name's Joel. Um, we talk deer hunting almost every day now. Uh, we were sharing pictures back and forth as we were getting pictures of the broken ear buck, just trying to figure him out. Joel had him in daylight a ton. I never had him in daylight once. Wow. So I, I knew he was living in that thicket and frequenting Joel's woods. So I kind of gave up on that deer. Um, I saw him one time in daylight at like 600 yards, but that was it. So he actually got killed opening day of gun season by a guy that was hunting that thicket. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. So that closed the chapter on the broken ear buck. I had another buck that was shot by a neighbor at another farm. Um, and then another bug disappeared. I think he was shot, but like I don't know for sure. So I was down to, I have no deer. I, there was actually a text message on my phone on Wednesday of gun season last week. Uh, I had actually texted a buddy and said, let's start catfishing. I have no deer left. I'm done. The deer I killed, I gave that spot to my brother at the beginning of the year. I said, you know, I'm not, that's the furthest spot away from my house I had. It's 45 minutes from my house. And I told my brother, he didn't have anywhere to hunt. I said, I'm not going to hunt here this year. You hunt it. I said, um, I said, hopefully you kill something out here. And uh, I said, I just, it's too far away from the house. So my brother would send me the pictures. He had a tactic cam out there and he would send me the pictures he was getting. And dude, it was like, there was a lot of deer out there. A lot of bucks out there. He probably, on this one farm, this 100 acre farm with a five acre patch of woods, I bet he had five deer 130 or bigger wow and he got pictures of the deer that i killed on that farm for the first time it was either late september early october somewhere in there he got pictures of it but i still wasn't paying attention to it because i told him he could hunt that farm so i had so he sat there a couple times never killed anything never saw anything he never even saw a deer sitting there so fast forward i don't remember when he killed i think he killed a deer at the beginning of november on one of my farms um oh i could go into that story because that's that's just as cool as the story as mine (laughs) but but we'll save that one for another time so he killed a deer he killed a deer on one of my farms which then opened to that farm up and i remembered seeing that deer on his camera so we go out there um his brother-in-law he's uh he wants to start hunting so we go out there and I'm like, I don't, I said, I don't, I don't mind, I guess. So we go out there, we set a spot up and we put that camera up. Well, then that deer shows up again in broad daylight. The one I killed shows up again in broad daylight, but he has a huge wound on his shoulder. And I'm like, huh? And he was limping real bad. So I look at an aerial, I find a funnel that this deer's using to, it has to be how he's getting in and out. I know the deer's living on the neighbor's farm and there's this one funnel that comes into my property and I'm like, I'm going to put a camera there and just see what happens. Sure enough, man, I put that camera out there. I get that deer on the second day the camera's there, the third day the camera's there, the fourth day is the camera there. So I'm like, wow, here we go. And this is way before gun season. I kind of backed my story up. So I'm like, here we go. So I have now focused on this deer up to gun season. 
I've hunted him four times. It was standing corn, and there was a waterway that goes in between a bunch of waterways on this farm. And obviously, we all know the deer. That's how they travel through open fields. Mm -hmm. So the one waterway coming out of the neighbor's farm um, is where I'm hunting. It's probably 40 yards wide, standing corn on both sides. I hunt there four times, sitting in the corn with Sitka on. I just took a little seat out there and went two rows into the corn and sat there. Saw some does, never saw him. But it seemed, dude, I swear, when I was there, he wasn't. When I wasn't there, he was. It just, dude, that's how it happened I every time. You had does, like, <laughs> oh, sitting you in your lap, dude. Eight <laughs> the closest I had does while sitting in the corn was eight feet away. That's crazy, dude. That was actually uh, the second day of gun season. So, on opening day of gun season, um, on opening day of gun season, they, uh, I had, I was, I, I told my uncle I'd pour concrete for him and my, I actually solicited my brother to do it and my buddy and I was going to go hunting, but my brother forgot he had something to do. I don't remember what it was. And I had a doctor's appointment. So I'm like, don't worry about it. I'll pour it. So I go in there, I pour that concrete. I'm getting everything ready at eight 30 in the morning. There's this deer, the one I killed standing at the camera for 25 minutes. And I was salty. <laughs> because i had i had all my hunting clothes on that morning i had everything in my truck i was going hunting and then my brother called and said hey i forgot i got doctor's point i can't pour that concrete so i'm like no problem so i'm pouring concrete i'm salty concrete's hard work i don't know if you've ever done it but i'm already in a bad oh, yeah. mood i'm already in a bad mood so pouring concrete isn't making me any better mood you know so we uh we get it all down we're bull floating it and uh, I'm like, we got to hurry up and get this done. I'm going to go hunt that deer tonight. He was there this morning at 830. He's bedded close. So lo and behold, it's cold outside. And we all know concrete doesn't sit up when it's cold. So I'm there. I end up having to be there till midnight, babysitting this concrete. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But at 505, guess who's standing on my, uh, <laughs> on my camera? Just posing for me. Oh, yeah. So I, I, I'm like, okay, I'm going out there. I'm going out there. I'm going to hunt this deer. So I get out there. The next time I get out there to hunt, the uh, they're combining the corn. That's a good time. Yeah. So other, they're combining the corn, but the only issue is where I'm getting in on camera at, I have nowhere to hide but in the corn. It's a flat field in a grass ditch. So I'm like, well, I'm going to sit up here by this little patch of woods and see what happens. I saw three does, nothing. He didn't show up the rest of gun season. Hmm. So all week, no pictures, no pictures, no pictures. And I'm like, so I'm thinking, I know there's some other hunters that are hunting, hunting him. Um, so I, uh, I'm like, he's dead. I've given up at this point. It was probably Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday. I can't remember what day I'm texting my buddies and I'm literally saying, well, I got no big deer to hunt. I'm gonna start catfishing again. And we're planning trips. And I text a couple buddies. And I'm like, well, you want to go to the James and plan all these catfishing trips. And I have pretty much given up on deer hunting. And then Saturday of gun season. So our gun season here is only a week long, Monday through Sunday on Saturday. Um, I get a picture of him out in that cornfield uh, and it was, he was out away from the camera. He was actually out in the field. Um, 
I get pictures of him and it's the same time, like five Oh five, five ten, somewhere in there that I'm getting these pictures, but he's there until like six forty. And he, I'm like, was he in there eating or was he tending doughs? He, he was eating. So, so he's already no, done. no, no road activity done. going on. He's already done breeding. He's getting back into feeding. Yes. And he's injured. Don't forget that. that oh, that's a vital part sure. of the story. He was shot high in the shoulder. So we, um, um, so I, I, I see these pictures. He's in there forever. Sorry. I gotta, I got somebody call me. I gotta tell him I'm on the phone here. Important conversation. <laughs> yes, important. So we, uh, I, I see these pictures and I actually text one of my buddies, one of the pictures. And I said, uh, I said, dude, I said, this deer is out in the middle of this field. And now I'm only thinking that I didn't get pictures of him because my camera couldn't reach him out in the field. He was probably out there every single evening. I just never got any pictures of him. Sure. He didn't get close enough so, to the camera. I literally, I text him and I say, the only possible way for me to kill this deer is I'm going to go in there tomorrow with my goose blind. I said, and I'm going to lay out in this field like I'm goose hunting and let him walk to me. And, uh, and he texts me back and he said, Oh, do that tomorrow. Stay a hundred yards away from your camera and it's a dead deer. So I say, I'm going to do it tomorrow morning and tomorrow evening. Well, tomorrow morning comes, I got to work. I don't make it out there, but I know for a fact I am going out there tomorrow evening. So I load everything in my truck. I go to work. We're working in the same town I was hunting in. We're flipping a house there. And, uh, and tomorrow evening rolls around. It's like two 30 and I head out there. I got uh, I got my Sitka corn camo on again, an orange vest, an orange hat, and I'm carrying my goose blind and a 4570 I borrowed from my buddy. <laughs> and because uh, I have a 450 Bushmaster, but something wrong with the scope, the it just doesn't line up right. I'd shot his 4570 before, I knew it was good, so I elected to take that. If I was going to have to make a 200 yard shot, I wanted it to count. So I uh, I go out in my goose blind, I get out there to where my camera is, I get out in the field, and there's like this. There's this ridge that comes across to the field. It's not very big, but it's enough of an elevation change that I could just, I know that's how he's coming into the field by the pictures. I just know from the way he's coming into my camera, this ridge runs right into this patch of woods. I know he's living in on the neighbor's farm and it comes out into my field and it wraps around right to my camera. So I knew I'm like, that's how he's got to be coming in here. So between that ridge and my camera, there's a low spot in the field. And this is where being a goose hunter kicked in. There's a low spot in the field, so I, I elect to put my blind in that low spot so that I'm not casting any shadows. Dude, it worked beautifully, too. I set nice. my blind in there. I, I laid down, and I was flat as could be. So <clears throat> I'm sitting there. I'm all jacked up, and I'm like, this deer's coming. For sure, this deer is coming. So I'm there about an hour, um, and I was using – have you seen the new dive bomb kickback chairs? uh no so it's a layout chair but it has an adjustable back it has like five settings you can okay. lift it up a little okay. bit like a so i was using it and i had it on like the, yep so i had it on like the third setting because i was in such a good dip that even on the third setting i was laying flat with the ground and um i had my corn blanket i have you seen the tangle free yeah corn that's blankets? what i thought i saw you had just like a ghillie blanket over your legs it looked like Yep, yep. So I had that. Well, I had it over my legs. I had it over my whole body and over my face and everything. 
because you can see through them. Nice. And uh, so I'm there about an hour, still jacked. I know this deer is going to come, and I see movement out of the right of my eye. I'm like, here we go. It's a bunch of does. And they come out, three of them, they come out, they walk right down that ridge, and you thought they were close in my Snapchat video, dude? They literally, they got like 10 foot away and kept walking straight at me. Jesus. They could see the blind, but they didn't know what it was. Right. So they just kept looking and head bobbing. Dude, they got they got unbelievably close. They walk right by me. Do they you just have the... the sorry do you just have the wind in your face or what are you doing for scent control yeah so i so my goose blind smells terrible i spilled diesel on it (laughs) but i have the wind coming out of the set of woods he's living in and it's hitting me straight in the face and blowing out into this open cornfield okay perfect yeah so everything aligned the stars aligned for me on this hunt so they get into me they come crazy close man they walk by me they jump this ditch they go on the other side of the farm and it isn't until they get like 800 yards away from me that they finally win me because they're straight behind me but they don't blow or anything they just run up into the woods and i'm like cool the woods that the deer's not in so i sit there for a couple more hours it felt like forever and uh nothing 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 we're getting close to the end of shooting time still nothing but these geese man i am watching geese. i was gonna ask you was there geese flying over (laughs) dude the next the next farm over was getting pounded by geese i'm watching them dump in there like two or three hundred at a time nice and it is loud. I actually had a buddy hunt with me that day. He was hunting up in the woods at the front of the farm I'm hunting. And the geese were probably only 200 yards from me. And he said they were so loud, it sounded like he was sitting in the middle of them. Wow. So I I take a Snapchat video of these geese flying by me and landing in this field. I pretty much given up on deer hunting at this point because it's getting, it's getting late. There's probably only 10, 15 minutes left in shooting light. I hadn't seen it yet. But I, dude, I am, you know how it is. Now I'm stuck on these geese. Right. And uh, I'm recording this video, and I get done recording it, and before I can save it, I just happen to look out of the right side of my blind, and here's this deer coming straight at me. He's at 75 yards, and he's feeding towards me. Doesn't even know I'm there. And I'm like, oh, man, you know, so I got to set my phone down. My gun's laying on the ground beside me. I got to set my phone down. The video is just playing on loop on the ground beside me. <laughs> and you can hear the geese in the video. And uh, and I grab my gun. I spin it over, man. He never sees me move, never has any idea that I'm there. And I, mean, I got my crosshairs. He's facing me. I got my crosshairs on his chest, and he's just coming straight to me. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better scenario. Um, I knew it was getting late. I didn't know how much time I had left in shooting light. Um, there's some far, there's some neighbors there that were pretty upset that I was hunting that deer. I actually tried to start some drama and get me kicked off the farm by saying I was doing donuts in the field and driving in the, the lanes and stuff. Um, thankfully, I talked with the farmer, and he was he was cool. He understood I didn't do that. I goose hunt some of his farms with a buddy of mine. He knows that I'm not like that. Right. But – could have definitely gone different. I mean, the week before I killed him, um, I got word that this guy, this other guy that was hunting this deer, was trying to cause all kinds of trouble for me just because I was hunting the deer. Yeah. Got trail cam pictures of guys walking in front of my camera that week. Um, I don't know the guy, 
I'm speculating that it was him because he knew where all my tree stands were. He knew where my cameras were. He knew that I had corn piles there. He knew how I got in the farm, how I got out of the farm. Um, and he doesn't have permission to be there. The landowner said I was the only one deer hunting it. So I knew it was getting late. I didn't want to run into an issue where maybe I'd shoot after light or something. So I could have let that deer walk to five yards. Sure. But he gets to 50. I, uh, looking down the trigger, he's, he's, he's pointed towards me, but he's angled a little bit looking down, looking down the scope, squeeze one off deer jumps like six feet in the air, does a big giant. You runs in front of me, runs over. There's a ditch on my left. That's in the middle of that grassway. The runs down, I lose him in that ditch and I can't tell where he goes from there. So I take a minute. I'm collecting myself. Um, <laughs> next thing I do is I call my buddy that I borrowed the gun from and he's in his tree stand. He answers his phone. And he's like, no, you didn't. And I'm like, <laughs> I said, listen, I'm about to ask you a very important question and I need an answer. And he said, what's that? I said, is this gun sighted in for 50 yards? <laughs> he said, what? I said, is the gun sighted in for 50 yards? And he's like, it's sighted into a hundred. I said, okay, so what does it do at 50? Is it hit high? Is it hit low? Is it sighted in at 50 yards or is it not sighted in at 50 yards? And he said, dude, yes, it's sighted in for 50 yards. And I'm like, okay, he's dead. And I hang up. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that was Justin, the guy that came out and goose hunted with me out there with you. Oh, okay. So the next thing I do is call my other buddy. And I tell him, I'm like, dude, I said, I think I just smoked that deer. The guy I was talking to about doing it out of the goose block. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what happened? And I, I was like, well, you know, I, I, I didn't have the best shot. I was trying to squeeze it between his, his throat and his shoulder and just get in. I mean, obviously, you hit a deer there with a gun. Yeah. And he's dead. You're causing some damage. But, yeah. So I tell him, I'm like, you know, that's where I put it. I pulled the trigger. And he's like, so you shot him frontal and he didn't just drop? And I was like, no. He's like, man, that doesn't sound good. So now I'm doubting myself, right? Oh, no. But, but I'm doubting myself to the point where I don't even go look for blood or nothing. I just leave. I'm like, I'm going to give his deer time then. If I didn't hit this deer, I'm not going to give him time. So I, I make all the usual calls. I call my brothers. I call my wife. I call the other buddy that's hunting there. And uh, we leave, me and him. It's, a, it's like a mile, 1.8 miles back to the truck where I'm hunting at. I walk all the way up there. Um, but as I said earlier, I had texted the game warden while sitting in my blind. And I'm like, hey, you know, I'm hunting this deer. I had told him who else was hunting the deer and, and that I know that he wasn't happy I was hunting the deer. He tried to cause issues. Um, I just wanted to cover all my bases, mm-hmm. you know. So, And I, I had asked him, I said, if I shoot this deer, will you come on the recovery? Because I didn't know what was going to happen when I shot it. Right. I didn't know if it was going to run on the neighbor's property. I, did, I didn't know where it was going to go. So I just wanted to make sure I had him on board to come and help track in case something would come about it, mm-hmm. you know. So he's like, yeah, just let me know what happens. So I, after all my phone calls and I, I sat there for a little bit, you know, and, and then I get up, I start walking out. It, it's getting dark. I call him and he's like, I take it. You didn't shoot him. I'm like, no, I did. Um, and he said, well, did you find him? And I was like, well, no, he, he ran towards this other property. I said, I, I don't know where he is. I said, I'm, I'm going to back out and give him time. I said, but I'll let you know if I find him. He's like, well, what do you want me to do? I said, well, I said, I think I saw him go down right and if he's if he went down where i thought he was um i said I'll, I'll just call you i said let me see what happens so we leave dude we get two minutes down the road it starts dur- torrential down oh, no. 
out of nowhere, it just starts downpouring. And I'm like, oh, oh, I actually texted the game warden back and I said, who drew up this rain? So I have to meet my other buddy now because he's already coming to help to meet my buddy. And now I'm really a nervous wreck, man. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. So they, uh, so we get it. We meet up with my buddy, Trevor, and we head back out there. We, 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 I call the farmer. He says, I can drive back. We drive all the way back. We get out and I'm going through, I'm replaying what happened in my head. It all happened so fast. It was a little blurry, but I, I kind of remembered where he went into the ditch. I remembered where he was standing. So we, uh, we start where he was standing, nothing, no hair, no blood, no nothing. We search that area for a little bit and, and um, my buddy's like, I'm going to go over here where he said he went into the ditch and I'm going to walk in here and see, see what's going on. I'm like, okay. I said, I'm going to try to find his tracks or something out here. I said, because that's where I think he went in, but I don't remember. And uh, it was like, I don't know, five, 10 minutes later, he's like, Hey, I got blood over here. And I'm like, cool. You know? So I run over there and then I'm thinking about it the whole time. And I'm like, I didn't find no blood anywhere along here. I'm like, dude, just tell me you found the deer. And he's like, he's like, nah, man. He's like, there's like, he said, there's gut matter and there's, um, there's, there's gut matter and there's, there's corn. And, and he said, you hit him in the stomach. And I'm like, I mean, I guess I could have. And the whole time I'm like, no, just tell me the deer is laying there. Like I've seen him do this before. Uh He's like, oh yeah. Okay. He's laying up here in the ditch. (laughs) And I'm like, are you kidding me? So I run up there, man, coming up behind that deer. Seeing that, because when I came up on him, I walked up from behind him. He was laying, he was laying on the, on the side of the ditch, like right down by the water. wasn't in the water yet, but it's like his his rack, his head was like facing the water, and I was uphill from him. So all I saw was the back of this giant rack, dude. And I was like, oh my god, that's awesome, dude. That watching that, coming up on that, I'll replay that forever. Dude. Oh, I bet, hey, Trevor. Dude. Me and Trevor are jumping like schoolgirls. The other buddy I had with me has never deer hunted before. So he did. He just couldn't take in what was going on and why we were so pumped. Right. To him, it was just a deer, you know? Right, right, right. So yeah. it was uh, it was awesome, man. It was, yeah. uh, it was awesome. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> yeah, that. dude, that's dope. That's awesome. Right in the final, final bell. That's pretty sweet, dude final bell on the last day of gun season you know yeah that's awesome so if if uh if it wouldn't have happened would you have tried to chase that deer with a bow somehow or would you just i would have i would have so we can use crossbows here oh okay well yeah that would have been i have a raven that would have been i would have done the exact same setup with a raven sure dude that's yeah because dude i put a lot i mean you know i put a lot of time oh yeah and i mean this year alone I hunted 48 times for 240 hours, I think. Wow. Yeah. So I, I I put a lot of time, a lot of money. I have several tens of thousands of dollars wrapped up in gear to deer hunt. I'm a firm believer in it. doesn't matter how you kill them. Just get them dead. Yeah, I don't know. I think I only made it out like five, six times this year, but I said I was super busy. And I, and I didn't even put trail cameras up on my property this year. I'm like, eh, pff, whatever. Deer walks out, deer walks out. <laughs> we'll see. I did, I, mean, uh, I started big buck hunting in 2017. And uh, I told myself I had a goal. I would I would only shoot 
150 inch deer and bigger, but I would kill one every year and I would do whatever it took to do it. In 2017, the first year I started hunting for big deer, I missed 190 inch deer at 15 oh, yards. How do you do that? Uh, it was the first big giant deer that I actually had a chance of killing. <laughs> Were you shaking a little bit? Uh, a lot of bit. <laughs> Not shaking a lot of bit. I actually missed two deer that year because I, I just got so worked up knowing that what I did worked. Was that a gun, gun or a bow? With a bow. Okay. I missed them both with a bow. Well, um, cut you a little more slack. Well, no, you shouldn't. The first one, the first one, the, the first one, it was a 40 yard shot and I had never really been, I mean, I have hunted my whole life, but I've never been focused. Like I am going to do this, you know, and it started in 2017 and at 40 yards, I didn't aim for, I didn't account for a drop and I shot underneath him or over top of him. And, um, that was the first deer I missed that year. It was about 150 inch eight pointer, clean eight point. It was a nice deer. I hit him high in the back, just scraped his back. If I was a centimeter lower, probably to cut his spine and be a whole different story. Sure. We'd be talking about how the first deer I ever, the first big deer I killed, first one I ever shot at was 150 inches. So then this other deer, I called him Blur because the first picture I got of him was real blurry. He was showing up a lot in daylight. But I only went in, I try to get him on a pattern, you know. If they'll come three days in a row, I'll hunt them. But you can't go in when they show up the first day in daylight, and then you go in and blow them out. They don't come back. I've learned this. Yeah, right. So I was trying to get this deer on a pattern, trying and trying and trying, and I finally got my chance on New Year's Eve in 2017. This deer comes in, rubbing trees, grunting, making all kinds of noise, and I just see this massive rack coming through the woods, right? He's got like – I'll send you a picture of him. Is that, He's what, got what like, time of year is this? This was uh, New Year's Eve, December 31st. Oh, it's late. He's still grunting? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was still. I think we had a second rut coming in. There must have been some does in there that weren't bred, some late does. Um, but, dude, he was he coming in. He was making a scene. I had a raven crossbow. And I'm like, it is over, bud. You're done. There is no. I've already got him on the wall. I'm already tasting backstrap. <laughs> and... Uh, Dude comes into 15 yards, but on those ravens, they have their, I don't know if you've ever seen one or not, but inside of the scope, they're labeled 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, okay. 78. Well, they also, it's not, they have this thing. It's not a zoom. It's, it, it's a, a speed, an arrow speed. You set your, your scope to the speed of the arrow so that, that so that it's, uh, so that the, the inside of the scope lines up with your arrow. I gotcha. I didn't know that. So he's at 15 yards and I, I sighted it in with it all the way. What I thought was zoomed in and I'm trying to find him in the scope, but he's too close. So I zoomed it all the way out. Well, when I did that, it changes the plane of the scope. Got him at 15 yards. I'm like, you're smoke. Thunk, like eight inches over his back. Stuck oh, in a tree. No. I have never <laughs> been so sick in my life. <laughs> like that's one of those where you're just like, it's easy. It's too easy. Right. I guess you're dead. So that's how my first year ever actually focusing and chasing on big white tails went man. and, uh, defeated, man. I didn't hunt the rest of the year. So come now comes 2018. And, uh, that's when I shot that 167 and seven eighths deer in Kentucky with the big giant brow tines. And how, they, uh, how'd you go about that, dude? So how long were you out there? So on that one, um, in 2017, I was actually hunting with a buddy down there. 
we found the property together and we had pictures of that deer in 2017. Um, he was hunting it. He called that deer and I was like, okay, no problem. Well, 2018 comes around. He says he's not hunting it again. I'm not ever going to go back down there. I'm not hunting Kentucky ever again. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to leave that giant deer living on that hill without going down and trying to hunt it. So I got pictures immediately of that deer when I put stuff out in June, had him addicted to apples. And when I say addicted, like crack fiend, <laughs> ca- crack fiend addicted. Every day I'd dump apples, he'd be there within a couple hours after I dumped them. Damn. And he would stay there and eat and gorge himself. So that was an easy hunt. I only sat on that deer twice. Wow. First time I sat on him, uh, he came into about 60 yards in full velvet. Uh, the neighbor had put a corn pile out. He was coming up the hill and went to the neighbor's corn pile that day. The neighbor wasn't there. Thank God. Ooh. I waited about a week. He started feeding on my corn pile again. I went out, I dropped apples the next day after he started feeding on my corn pile again, I went out, I dumped apples and sure enough, had him hooked on apples again. He was there every single day. Nice. Uh, got out there, texted all my buddies said, Hey, I don't have service in Kentucky, but just head down there about five o'clock. Cause I'm gonna kill this deer. And uh, it's a two-hour drive from where we live. Sure enough, 5.30 pops over the hill and smoked him. The easiest nice. deer hunt I've ever had in my life. <laughs> yeah. So that actually ended up being um, the first big deer I had ever killed. After a very, very hard 2017 season. Well, go find me a big buck. Yeah, there's there's a couple of them around. I don't know how many are still alive. I got to go refresh <laughs> all my cameras. Half of them are all dead now. Yeah, well, go freshen them up. You you let me know if the you know I'll come down like midweek. Give me give, yeah, me, give me three days. Three days. <laughs> I'll, I'll put you on my best stand for three days. I can't hunt no more. I mean, I can go. I can. I mean, I can. I can. I can drop stuff pretty quick. I could. I could make. <laughs> I could make some moves. And I could. I could Man. be down there. You t- you, you tell me like. Bro, I don't know what you got going on, but I got daytime pictures of this stud. Come on down. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll, I'll see what I can do I for just you. I might do it. I just might do it. Come but on. 2019 ended up being a horrible season, man. I lost a lot of property I could hunt on. Um, people just came in, leased it out from underneath me. Guys yeah. that knew that I was hunting on it. After I killed that big deer, they all just assumed I killed it on each property I hunted. And they just went and leased <laughs> a lot of the property that I hunted. All of it. Yeah, that yeah. sucks. I went from probably 20 spots to two. Is there much for public land in Ohio? There's a ton of public land Is here. there? Yeah. Does it just get piss pounded? Um, there's actually a guy named Jake Bush. I don't know if you've seen Jake on Facebook or not. That name he sounds familiar. Public, he hunts Ohio public land, and he has killed a ton of – well, he's killed two giants here. But he's killed a ton of public land giants in his life. Uh, he's killed – he's hunted here for two years and killed two absolute giants both years. One was – 180 inch deer and then I don't, i'm not sure what this one scored this year yeah i mean it's definitely doable for people that know what they're doing you know you just gotta factor in the pressure you know yeah and, it, it's not really knowing what you're doing as much as just putting the time in and learning you know right. like it's a different scenario the way i hunt deer to the way they hunt deer i don't i can hunt deer on private land without bait i can go kill them i know where they are you find where they live you backtrack them with cameras you get close to their bed you'll kill them i missed this year i actually missed 150 inch deer the one i called drip Yep. I missed him a couple weeks ago with no bait pile. I found out where he was bedded. I got close and, and he came in and, and I, uh, I ranged him wrong. I mean, it's, but I, people always, they always have something to say when I say that I hunt bait piles. Right. Um, well, you still got how to hunt. Listen, it, we, we can't use bait in Minnesota. And so everybody will give anybody that hunts bait 
a bad time about it, you know, and they'll try to take some sort of moral high ground. But I guarantee you, if it was legal here, most people would do it. So, well, and, and so, okay, so you guys can't hunt over bait. Here's always my argument back to the people that have something to say about me hunting over bait. You guys can't hunt over bait, but I guarantee you, you can put you can put a food plot in. Oh, yeah, that's just bait. That's all it is. Yeah, you can put a food yeah. plot in. You yeah, can also hunt the side sure. of cornfields, right? Yeah, that's right. Say the combines combine and they dump cornfield out in the field. You're allowed to hunt by that. Yeah. So normal, normal farming practices. Yeah. So people who argue the bait thing and then put food plots on their farm. Exactly. I got nothing for them. Yeah. No. It, it, bottom line, just exactly what I said. If it was legal, they would do it. And just the fact oh, that it's absolutely. not, then they take some sort of, you know, then they they lie to themselves and. You know, oh, we're more and more ethical, and no, no, you're forced to be more ethical. Like you, you. Yeah, you're only more ethical because the law tells you you have to be. (laughs) Exactly. But I will tell you this, dude: deer hunting deer over corn piles. Um, I've done it now since 2017. I've done it religiously every year, and I killed that deer in 2018. Um, I did kill him off of a corn pile in 2000. 19 was a horrible year 2020 i killed a, that 153 inch crazy thick i called him two by fours because that's how thick his rack was killed him walking a fence rail he wasn't going to a corn pile right and then um the deer i killed this year i was nowhere near a corn pile killed him in the middle of a cornfield yeah right if hunting corn piles made it easy don't you think i'd have killed a giant every year since yeah, I started it's, hunting? it's not a guarantee i mean it's just you know, it, it's just another tool in the toolbox. I mean, if you right. got enough cameras and, and, out. And those big deer, you know. those big deer know what a corn pile is. Right. You know, there's just certain times of year they have to have it. I mean, right. it's easy food. If there's snow on the ground, yeah, hunting a corn pile is, you give me seven inches of snow on the ground in January and I'm putting a corn pile out for sure. They can't find any food. They got to eat. Yeah, they're eating browse. All the green stuff's dead and they've already went through all the acorns. Yeah, that's what's yeah, gonna work. So, you know, you hunt the cornfield, a corn pile in like August. They might hit it, but they're gonna hit it on their way to something else. Like they've got all the best browse in the world. Like exactly, corn piles are useless until I can't say useless because they do bring they attract deer. And <clears throat> excuse me, once you add apples into the mix, it does it changes the game a little. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, you still have to be able to hunt the wind. You still have to be able to have a good entrance and exit. You have to be a good deer hunter to kill a five and a half year old, 150 plus inch deer every year. Right. You have to be, no matter what it boils down to, you have to be a good deer yeah. hunter. And that's, that's what I'm trying to prove to people. I want to, well, my it's... goal in the deer hunting world is to kill 150 inch or bigger every single year. And I've done it three times now. Yeah. Well, I've never shot anything bigger than like a little basket. So my my uh my standards are pretty low <laughs> i'm I'm, well, the, just... I'm the evil meat hunter but i mean if i was hunting a property where some you know where somebody had you know standards or like listen we don't shoot any bucks under a blah 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 you know, i would abide by it obviously i mean or I'd, i could be your management buck you got some weird buck you want to take out of the herd i'd be i'd be your huckleberry well um, if you're just looking if you're just looking for a 120 inch deer You'd hate to know how many of those I passed this year. <laughs> I passed a 140-inch deer that I still am kicking. I, up until I shot my buck, I was really kicking myself. Yeah, I don't know that I could pass a 140. I'm not even sure I could pass a 120. You couldn't. <laughs> I'm not even sure I know what a 120 looks like. <laughs> yes. I remember my first 120. So I've got a 119, a 123, a 131, a 153, 
a 167 seven eighths and a 176 now and i remember the first 120 inch deer that came in it was actually well yeah it was 121 and something shot it in shoot that one in illinois i don't remember where i shot that one God, just think about no. like 120 to 170 and change like how much bigger that that's 50 more inches of antler 50 inches. so when people but here's what i always tell people you know when they're like oh 120 inch deer isn't that big and i'm like hold on buddy let me break something down for you that 120 inches of antler equals 10 feet yeah that's 60 each side dude that's jesus yeah, and to get in the Buckmaster's record book, you only, I mean, a, a shed only has to have 75 to get in the record book. Yeah. 60 inches is a lot of antler yeah. on one side. Yeah, it is. And obviously, and I mean, you've proved, I mean, obviously they get bigger. You've proven that, but it's like, it's not, I mean, dude, 120 is nothing to scoff at. No, dude. And, and I'm the type of hunter, and I'm sure you are too. Just go kill whatever in the hell makes you happy. Right. Yeah, the hunting industry has gone the wrong way with all of this nonsense about you should have let him go and he what did he score and how did you score him and where did you kill him and what were you wearing how were you what gun were you using what bow were you using what does it matter the guy I remember when I was a kid hey what'd you kill oh I killed an eight pointer oh man wow an eight pointer you know yeah it could have been a basket eight they didn't say how big it was. It just didn't had, matter. Inches did not matter. Well, here's the thing: is like not everybody's on the same page. Not everybody's on the same page of you know what their PB is or where they're starting. Or you could be a hunter that literally doesn't give a shit about antlers. You just like hunting. You like to eat venison, and you I, know I'm I sure you would. That... I'm sure you would be happy with shooting a giant if one stepped out. But you're not holding out for it. That's not your that's not your main goal. And there's nothing wrong with that. It that's like saying, you know, that would be like the, the snobby dry fly only fly fisherman, right? Anything else is trash. You know, it's like, well, we're not all I mean, that's your thing. That's not my thing. And to think that your thing should be everybody else's thing is narcissistic. It, absolutely. And unfortunately that's just the with with the with the spawn of social media and and everybody wanting to be better than everybody else. I don't fell out of my chair. And everybody wanting to be everybody else. It's it's it has really turned into that. Well, it's turned it to, to some extent. And here's the thing that people have to keep in mind with social media, is it's gen. And this is just straight facts and human nature. Unfortunately, people, the vast majority of people that will, um be active in a conversation are in a negative concept. We're just more people hit the angry button than hit the like button. It's just a fact of them. That's just how it is. You get on right. line, something pisses you off. Like I said, I'm going to speak in mind. But if somebody had something that was that you, that you liked, and I actually catch myself doing this and I'd be like, Oh, that was a funny post or that was really awesome. And I scroll past it and then I'll catch myself like, Oh, you dude, you didn't even like it. So I'll go back up and I'll like it, you know, cause I mean, I have, my company here and I try to, you know, promote it and I put it online and I want people to like my posts and share my posts and do, you know, it's like, if I want that, I need to make sure that I'm proactive with my friends and supporting their endeavors and whatever. So I, I need to do better and I have been doing better at liking and sharing and, you know, that, hey, I, that kind of stuff. I have stuff. to cut you off, dude. And my doing... guys just texted me and said they wrecked my truck. Somebody just keep Oh, hell no, dude. All right, man. Well, I appreciate your time. Um, let me know if uh, some deer uh, show up 
or if not, if the catfish are biting, I could be talking to that too. So, all right, all dude. Right, good. Later, See man. You. Bye. Wow, that is not a fun way to end a uh, a podcast. We're just getting rolling on ethics and all sorts of good stuff. But all right, well, that's that. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. Uh, yeah, whatever your passion, pursue it full scale.